In a world full of boring stories, bad videos, and marketing misinformation, one very tall man with a weird last name will use his microphone. This thing on? Use his video marketing knowledge. It's the red button, right? And use his friends. Please be on the show. To change that. You are listening to The Garlic Marketing Show with Ian. What? No, that's how you pronounce it. Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here, and we've got an amazing, amazing doctor who's doing some really cool stuff in the marketing world, as well as saving a lot of lives. Uh, but before we get started, this show is brought to you by StoryCruise.com. If you're looking to tell the story of your healthcare practice, it is the number one resource. Uh, and the number, best way to learn about it is through patient stories. So go to StoryCruise.com slash patient stories to learn how to tell the perfect patient story. Today, I have my good friend, an amazing doctor, amazing speaker, Dr. Rad Chad Stevens. <laughs> Dr. Chad Stevens, uh, uh, thanks for being on the show today, bud. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll get into why he's called Rad Chad in a little bit. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, but uh, Dr. Stevens, tell me a little bit about your practice. What, sure. What do you do? Okay. I'm an interventional pain and sports medicine specialist. I have a practice primarily in the South Lake area near the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport, but also an office in uh, the kind of the western part of Fort Worth, serving another part of the community um, closer to the TCU area, for those that know the area. And our practice spans all age groups and both sexes from the standpoint of I do some procedures that are applicable to elderly people that are um, having extreme pain from spinal stenosis. And I do athletes that are young and have a sprained ankle, in, you know, a peewee game through a varsity game or collegiate game. Just I have a lot of athletes combined with pain patients in the practice. And so the idea of my practice is that it is uh, based on interventional pain treatments rather than writing narcotics and medication management. That's a much less emphasized part of the practice uh, with the emphasis being towards trying to get people back to work and functionality uh, faster and more effectively. That's amazing. And you have some amazing results I've seen. Um, and you're doing really, really cool stuff. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the, the PR tools that you've used because you do some fantastic PR and he does his own PR and he's rocking it. Uh, and also, I want to talk about stem cells, the marketing of stem cells, what you're doing. But first, let's talk about, you know, at what point did you realize, hey, I, you know, because not a lot of doctors don't market their own practice at the level that you do. When was the realization that you need to start marketing your practice? It's a really good question, Ian. So um, I've run the gamut through my practice career of being a partner in a large organization that patients just flooded to because the name of the group was so well known and marketed to having a practice that was solely dependent on everything I bring into it to now where we've worked here in this area for long enough that the reputation is starting to spread and we have a lot of repeat family customers and uh, you know referrals from family members and friends and church members and things of that nature 
nature. And so um, I just realized a while back that um, just having a full practice is not enough because the nature of what I'm trying to do, Ian, is to get patients better so they don't need medicines, so they don't need to come to me on a regular basis. And so you got to keep refilling the, the end, so to speak, when you're constantly trying to get people better and get them home and out of practice. Awesome. And so what was your foray, first foray into that? Uh, what do you mean exactly by that? Like into, you know, filling the practice. Tell me about that. I, I just have this innate desire within me to try to um, become the very best that I can be um, in the skills that I've been lucky enough to obtain through my training. And so uh, I realized that not everybody in the community knows about the things I do. Some of the things that I do are consistent with every pain practitioner throughout the country or every sports practitioner throughout the country. But then there's other things that I've acquired that um, I think are excellent ways to improve people's return to work or return to play status faster. And yet they're not nearly as well known because they're either new and innovative or just um, to some people, you know, they haven't had the chance to get trained on those procedures yet. And when it comes to like new and innovative, some people love it. And some people, especially when it comes to medicine, some people are scared of it. How do you deal with that? So I have a couple of things to answer that question. One is um, I don't necessarily just go out and try to find the newest, latest craze, the, the biggest return on, on the dollar, anything like that. What I do is I look at the needs of my patient population. And my patient population is different here than it was in my last location. But in this particular location where I am now, there's certain needs that patients have that I didn't feel like I was meeting very well with the skills that I had. So um, going to different conferences, speaking at different conferences, talking to some of the leaders in the field and some of the people that are leaders in the industry when it comes to um, the investigational studies, the um, ongoing clinical studies, and just finding out what is working and what's not working. And then kind of deciding for myself which of those new procedures or new products is applicable to my patient base and their needs. Um, and, you know, obviously doing tons of research, but you mentioned something in there, too, is speaking. And I've seen you speak. You're an awesome speaker. When did you get started it, and why did you start doing that? So really, I've been speaking all my life, I, um, all the way through, you know, high school, being in leadership, and then college and leadership, and then medical school, class president. And just so I, I was in front of my class of 200 students every day speaking. And so it got to the point where I didn't feel very intimidated by speaking in front of people. And then for years, I just practiced clinical medicine, did the best I could. But I, along the way, I would have different companies tell me, you know, you really do a lot of our procedures and you do them well, you ought to start speaking for us. And I continued to just kind of not say it was the right time in our life. And, um, you know, I have a bunch of kids and a wife. And so through time, Cassandra and I have talked about it and we feel like that is one of my biggest skills. And we've been kind of burying it under a rock and decided that we would spend uh, the last year or so just kind of starting to explore what it would look like for me to, you know, make my own web page and speak at different engagements. And it's kind of spiraled into what you see now where I'm getting invited to some good sized meetings and I'm getting to teach different products, you know, abroad um, and in the uh, United States. And so it's it's really kind of developed into something that's a passion of mine, really, because I love to teach. I love to speak about things I'm passionate about. And so it's kind of a nice marriage of those two things. 
And how is that speaking? I mean, obviously it takes time away from the practice, but how has it affected your practice? Another good question. So that is an obvious uh, statement that I have to be gone to be speaking, right? Mm-hmm. So the majority of my engagements happen on Friday nights and Saturday. And so I'm already out of the office and that just takes away one evening from my family and I'm back by Saturday evening. But on the days that I have to miss a day, um, the ladies in my practice are diligent to always make sure our patients are well taken care of and, and there's no you know slouching there. But what happens is when I'm out speaking and getting new ideas and bringing new ideas to other doctors and then I'm getting patients, believe it or not, from these other states and cities where I speak that are coming in and saying, you know, we heard about you doing this and we heard you were an expert in this field. And so we wanted to you know, come to you instead of, you know, we bypassed, you know, 5,000 doctors that are closer to us. And so I think there's a lot of yield on the investment there of time that I put into it, as well as just uh, getting to be known in the area as somebody that um, is is expert enough in several procedures to go to for questions. And to me, that, that's been um, really encouraging the way that's developed. Awesome. Uh, you know, speaking is such a powerful tool and it, it's it's great to get you in front of audiences, build authority, and it also helps you, like you said, hone your messaging and hone what you're talking about. Um, right. But you also talked about people traveling to you. And I think one of my favorite, I want to talk a little about how you're using patient stories, but you tell a patient story about a, a pilot. Can you tell us that story? Because I, I want, I think that's a fantastic story. So um, I think what you're referring to is several years ago, I had a um, a rare opportunity to see a guy um, with a very rare cancer. And so um, he walked into my office after being seen by some of the better doctors I would consider and colleagues of mine in the area. And for whatever reason, their treatments weren't working. And he had gone to a therapist who said, hey, we got a new doctor in town. He seems kind of up on things. You might want to stop in there. And uh, when he walked into the office, um, I could tell right away that he was limping. And he's, you know, a former collegiate athlete at UT, and he was a, you know, a, a very athletic guy, but he wasn't doing those things anymore. He was a parent like me and maybe living vicariously through his children like we all do. And, you know, maybe demonstrating one or two skills at a practice or something like that. Nothing. He wasn't training for a marathon. I wasn't doing anything crazy. But my gut feeling was he might have like a, um, a hip or a pelvic stress fracture based on his walking gait and based on his clinical history. And when I examined him, it didn't go along with the kind of thing you would find when somebody has an arthritic hip or anything. So I said, you know what, let's just get an x-ray. And we did an x-ray and the x-ray showed a fracture in his pubic area and part of his hip. And it just did not jive at all with what should happen in a guy his age and station. His bones are strong, right? He's not osteoporotic, an older guy or anything. Just So it didn't jive. So I went and got an MRI. And lo and behold, the radiologist called me a few minutes later and said, uh, this guy's got a giant mass in his pelvis. And he needs help fast. And so what's ironic about this whole situation, it was, it was a holiday weekend. It was Friday afternoon. I was supposed to have left. This guy didn't have an appointment or anything. He just walked in. And by and large, I was walking out the door and I stayed and saw him. And so we, we, we started to go down this pathway together of me an hour after meeting him saying, 
because he came back over after his image saying, okay, buddy, um, I'm never one to throw out any kind of uh, scary language, but this looks like, you know, some sort of a mass that may be aggressively growing and we need to act quickly. And so I said, I don't know what your feelings are, but I said, even though we have some great doctors in our area, I think we ought to you know, look into getting you down to MD Anderson. And sure enough, by uh, about the middle of the next week, he was at MD Anderson and getting treated. It turns out he's got, um, I think there's 500 known cases of this, and he's the only known survivor beyond five years. So he had to have a huge surgery, a partial pelvis you know, replacement, and he had to learn to walk again, had to walk through all this stuff together. But what is so awesome about this guy, he's an entrepreneur by, by I guess, his skill set, and he had really appreciated the help he had getting down to MD Anderson when he needed treatment for radiation and chemotherapy. And so instead of coming back and finally getting back to his life and getting his girls through college and, you know, having this wonderful wife, he decided to give back. And so he uh, started working with a company that flies people for free from our area down to MD Anderson for their cancer treatments. So it's a it's a chance for him to pay back and pay forward for what he was you know so blessed uh, with in the past. And so um, they're a really sweet family. They've been very um, generous with their compliments towards me, and I really did do nothing to this process except for starting down a pathway. The, the doctors that they get all the credit in the world are the doctors that treated him, that did the hemipilvectomy and did all the follow-up and everything. But years passed and they re-entered into my life recently and, and it was just, it was so encouraging. But what's so interesting about this, Ian, is that when you're a pain doctor or a surgeon, you start to think about your success stories as the people that you hands-on change their lives, right? You hands-on fix their problem. You do something in the OR to make them better. You rarely think of it as, I saw somebody in the office and diagnosed them with something and started them down this pathway, right? Yeah. And and so that's what I love about this story is this this family appreciates the very little bit that I did to get them started on that pathway. And so uh, it's been a real eye opener to me. And something I talked to the doctors about is never overlook the fact that the person that's walking in your door, maybe the person's life you're going to change, even though you don't know it. And what I mean by that is that surgeons will typically spend a whole lot of time with people they know they're going to operate on and pain doctors too. You're going to give them all the risks and benefits and possibilities for downfalls and all that. But when somebody seems to have something you know, kind of uh, menial or not that important. Oftentimes you'll kind of figure, well, I'll just send them off to therapy and get them started. And and really what we need to do is we need to listen to our patients. They'll tell us what's wrong with them if we listen long enough. And then we need to touch them and examine them. And by using our physical finding skills along with our listening skills, oftentimes we'll get them down the pathway that's most effective for them. I love that. And, you know, because, you know, we talk a lot about using case stories, you know, to promote your practice. But I often tell people about, you know, using the stories to motivate yourself. And you're I mean, you're using it as a professional improvement tool because you can say you all this stuff you said afterwards, like, you know that. Right. You're like you're supposed to spend more time, supposed to touch them, you know, be, you know, do all this stuff. But when you tell a story that powerful, that that really drives it home and it reminds you of that. And that, that's fantastic and such a cool story and uh, you know it, it shows people because it's so easy to glance over something you know it, whatever your profession but even a doctor you're so busy right. so busy and it's like ah you know fracture go here go get it fixed yes um and you know how else are, are you using patient stories a lot in your marketing 
Yes, absolutely. The the thing that, that is ironic about what you just said is, is is that I'm using more stories about procedures that are successful and lives that are changed that way than these diagnostic. You know, you rarely do a patient testimonial on I found out somebody had a migraine headache and so I treated it. You know, what you do is is you do a testimonial on them or a patient success story is a better way of saying it on somebody that has a a ability to return back to work or return back to play or return, you know, back to their life better because of a procedure you did to make those migraines a thing of the past. So most of my patient success stories are based on some of the procedures we talked about earlier, the innovative procedures we do that a lot of people don't that I want to get out into the public so that I can bring more people in and help them more. That's great because, and that's the best way to show the efficacy of it to make people believe, but also on the flip side, I love that you're talking about what it lets someone do because we so often just glance over the fact that, Oh, I, I helped someone get rid of their migraines, but what did that mean to their life? And that's so important because sometimes, especially when it comes to pain and, you know, motivating people to take care of their pain. A lot of times they're, they're just, you know, they're treating the symptom and I've seen this so much in patient marketing where they won't take action because they have some sort of, um, you know, they're taking enough pills or enough medication that when you, t- when you show what actually is on the other side of just reducing pain and where you at, and you actually are changing their lives, so that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's really hard right now in this environment we live in because there's an obvious opiate epidemic, right? And mm-hmm. so, Everybody agrees that we have a problem with narcotics in our world. The problem is that a lot of the things that we can do to make people better are sometimes things that insurance deems as experimental or, you know, not willing to cover. And so our patients speak with their feet uh, and they go to other countries and have treatments. They go and spend their money because they want to feel better, right? They, whether they have insurance or not, they want to go and do what it takes to get through if they have the means to do so, to get back to their living so that they can be, you know, fathers, mothers, kids, you know, whatever it is that they do um, better. And so that's what's interesting to me is the links that people will go to to get better. And you, you see in our practice or in every really medical practice that patients walk in with a story. And sometimes we miss that story because we're too busy or because we're not paying attention. But the story can be as simple as mom is now having trouble remembering how to, you know, make dinner. And so the family brings her in and and you think, oh, it's a lady who has dementia. No, it's a lady who has dementia whose one daughter has to to come over every day and, and help her in the morning before she goes to work. Another daughter has to pick her up afterwards from her you know, hair appointment. And then she has to take her kids to school. It affects so many family members when one family member has a medical problem. So if we can do something with non-narcotic you know, treatment options and make their life better, that's what I'm trying to do. And before we go any further, um, you know, uh, Dr. Chat's website is noblepainandsports.com. We'll put it in the show notes so you can see some of the really cool stuff that he's doing, some of the amazing procedures. Um, you know, like I said, it, you know, he speaks a lot on this. Uh, he teaches a lot of doctors on, on these. Um, I've been at events and, you know, everyone crowds around to see what he's doing and watch him. And, and you know, he's helped a lot of people, um, a lot of amazing stories. But, you know, when you're helping people like this and you're doing these experimental things, Dr. Stevens, you know, how do you balance get, doing what's best for them and the marketing of it on these experimental treatments? Because it's, 
you know, we're, we're seeing this, you know, we can talk about stem cells because we're seeing people use the word stem cells when they shouldn't be and when it should be regenerative medicine. And if you're not in, 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 uh, in the medical field and you're listening to this, you know, there is a difference there and the FDA is kind of cracking down. So how do you balance that? How do you pay attention to it? And how do you get it in front of as many people as possible without stepping on the wrong toes? Okay, so the way I would answer that is, is first I would say I want to clarify the experimental aspect of it. Because insurance deems something as experimental doesn't mean that there's not good data and good you know, studies have been done, but they don't feel like it is uh, substantial enough to make it a policy change and adapt it as something that they want to cover. But yet there's good data and there's good uh, anecdotal data for people getting results from the things I'm talking about. So I appreciate your understanding of, of the stem cell controversy too. And so um, when people say the word stem cell, I and by and large, the public is going to have in their mind live cells that are reproducing to make other kinds of cells and to do a job and maybe even change the, the condition somebody has. And so I think that people have to be very careful, and every day I'm reminded in my own practice, the way I talk to patients about it, I don't use the term stem cell at all. I talk about, back in the day, we used to talk more about it, um, and if I'm doing a procedure where I'm taking bone marrow from their hip and doing what we call bone marrow aspirate combined with like platelet-rich plasma from their blood, well, yeah, that, it is more of a stem cell because there are live cells potentially in the bone marrow. But in some of the other procedures out there um, that people are you know, advocating as live stem cell procedures, I think it can be very misleading. And so what I have happened a lot in my practice is patients, they don't know any better. And if you, if you go through my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed, you'll find invitation after invitation to these dinners. And so my patients tell me they go to these dinners, and we're talking about a lot of elderly people who live in retirement homes on fixed incomes going to these dinners, okay? And they come in, and it's a sales meeting, right? So they sit down, and we're glad to have you, have everything you want to eat or drink, whatever. And by the way, um, tonight is, is the last day we're going to be offering this this bonus because uh, this is the last one for this month. And then, you know, a couple months from now, maybe we'll be back again, but this is the last one we have available. And so pretty quickly, the patients are thrown into this this kind of a spiral of having to decide if they want to, you know, invest a ton of money into something before they really even know what they're getting into. And so then I'll ask the patients and say, when you go to these meetings, I assume they, they pull out your x-rays, your MRIs, and they go over them and they clinically examine you. And the answer, unfortunately, a lot of times is, no, they just, you know, tell me that I'm a candidate. And I say, well, what does that mean? They say, well, I don't really know what that means. And to me, a candidate um, is somebody who, who has tried a lot of other conservative treatments and they failed, or they can't um, benefit from a bigger procedure because of their health or wellness status, and they want to try something else. And so uh, being honest with the patients is the best policy. And so, you know, I use something called amniotic cells, and uh, it's, it's essentially a, a non um, live stem cell product, but it has growth factors and it has anti-inflammatory factors involved, and it works pretty well for a lot of con conditions. But I'm very quick to tell my patients that, that we're not using stem cells unless I'm drawing bone marrow off of their hip. And so um, I think it's just a matter of of being completely forthright with your patients. I think it's a matter of them believing in you as a practitioner and you not wanting to take um, advantage of that. That's a real responsibility when somebody comes to you and, and trusts you with the information you're going to give them. And so I don't take that lightly. And so I try to give them 
the full spectrum of what is out there. And maybe some things are more advantageous for certain conditions than others. And so I'll, I'll bring those things up. And if they say, is this something that is clinically proven? I can, I can talk to them a little bit about, you know, my experience anecdotally and about studies that I have to, you know, fall back on. But obviously they're not, you know, it's a pretty savvy public now. They know that if there's no insurance coverage, that they're, they're going outside of the lines of, of, you know, traditional Western medicine a little bit. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's, I mean, that's great. That's great. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of that needs to be done around that term stem cells. And I've got my own opinions and I'll, I'll leave them out there, but, uh, uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I think I've know though, this service I've, we do so many patient stories and I see so many, you know, people doing it the right way and like with the amniotic and their lives transformed. Right. And it's it's phenomenal. And, you know, over and over and over again, we've personally, you know, worked with some of the patients together that, you know, who we've seen their lives start to transform. I mean, right. you know, and it's fan, it's phenomenal. Um, and I love that you're doing that. And, you know, like I said, Dr. Stevens has an awesome practice. You should definitely check it out. But one of the cool things I want to get to, it is a marketing show. And, you know, we've been talking a little bit about marketing, but I love the level of PR that you do. And you've got a pretty straightforward PR technique, but it takes a little bit of work. But let's start with the results. What kind of results have you gotten from your PR outreach? Well, honestly, um, I have found the best PR outreach lately, and that is social media. Um, I used to advertise on as many high schools as they would let me and and do, you know, a lot of billboards on, at schools and, and get in every, you know, magazine a school put out and all those kind of things. And, yeah, I'm sure I, I yielded some patients from that and maybe got a few patients that um, came to know of me because of that. But, but probably more than anything now, we're getting patients through um, – you know, uh, the things they see on, on Facebook or they see on Instagram or they um, hear about through patient success stories. And so I, I think that that's probably the best way for me to do it now. Um, one of the things I, I try to do, and I'm, I'm giving away a little bit of my secret sauce, but I know a lot of your guests do this. So um, forgive me if I'm giving away too much, but but a, a while back, I did a big, um, I'll call it a campaign. I spent about three or four months just blitzing onto every radio show, every person that would, would interview me and everybody who would talk to me. And I got to know a lot of the local uh, reporters. And so what I do now is on a regular basis, I just pitch them stories. And I'll, I'll send them a text and say, have a great patient success story on, I gave them the story about the pilot and, you know, and they write back and say, okay, we'll be, we'll be watching for a good time to, to, you know, put that through to our editors and things like that. And so it, it gives us a chance to, to go on to either radio or TV and to be a, a community expert on a procedure or a skill. And I think that is as good a marketing as, as I can find at, at a good cost. And so um, I think anything you can do, to get yourself in the public eye um, as a person who um, has put their time into becoming the expert in an area. And I'm not trying to be an expert at everything. That's, that's almost, uh, you know, unimaginable for somebody in my, my field. And so I'm just trying to be the best I can at, you know, four or five or six things. And so that's kind of been my, I call it a niche of a practice. I'm trying to make my practice a niche practice where people go, oh, that person has spinal stenosis. And when they walk, they have to sit down every few feet. 
go to Dr. Stevens. He does that cool new procedure called Vertiflex. And that's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to get out there. You know, I went and spoke to a retirement home the other day and uh, about Vertiflex. And they and the first things out of their mouth, which was kind of telling, is they said, now we just want to make sure you're not going to just talk about stem cells there, right? And I said, no, I'm actually not even going to bring that up. And they said, we, we get so many people come to us about that. And I said, well, you know what? It's funny because the topic we're going to talk about, spinal stenosis, like 80% of you, 30 or 40 people in this room have this problem and we haven't had solutions in the past. And now I think we have a pretty good treatment for that. And so I feel like that is a good way to I, I literally go to these nursing homes and and these retirement communities. I go to the doctors themselves or myself in market and i've I've got my own marketing team of people that do a fantastic job going around and telling people about what I'm doing and and asking if they would like to have lunch with me or meet with me and things like that. But then I go out and i and I talk to the doctors directly. When I get a referral from a doctor, in most instances, I either call them or text them and let them know, you know, Miss uh, So and So. I'm very careful about HIPAA and say, you know, the patient you sent me with the last name, you know, it starts with J, was was here, and um, we're going to go ahead and schedule them for this knee procedure. That we're going to go burn their nerves, and I think it's going to help them a lot so that they'll feel better. And I really appreciate the referral because a lot of primary care doctors or even surgeons don't get the feedback after a referral and wonder what happened to their patient. So I just try to go the extra mile, make my referral sources feel like they're VIPs and make my patients feel like they're VIPs. Wow. I mean, you just gave me a ton of awesome information. And I hopefully, you know, if, if anyone's listening to this and you have a medical practice, and I think even if you don't have medical practice, if you have any type of professional practice, th- those are all fantastic things. And if you don't have a medical practice, you don't have to be HIPAA compliant. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> but it is it is tough to communicate. I'm not gonna lie um, to, with different doctors. Um, texting has been the greatest thing in the world, but we always have to be careful what we write in a text. But it's really easy for doctors to to identify. You know, the patient you sent me the other day, you know, with the ankle, you know, sprain or the you know the neuropathy of their foot, they know who that is. You know, but nobody else in the world would. And so we're very careful about that. But I think it's taken a different level of of it doesn't take very much of a doctor's time. But they know I'm thinking about them, and they know I'm thinking about their patient, and that's something that I think a lot of people leave out in their practice. Fantastic. I mean, this has been absolutely phenomenal. Such great information uh, to help anyone with a practice. Um, so let's talk a bit, little bit about. So, are you taking new patients? I'm always <laughs> taking new patients. I and that's the thing about it is is I'm I'm probably you know several weeks out for getting new patients in, but I'm marketing harder than I ever have. And that is for the exact reason I just told you. I feel like I have five or six tools in my hands a lot of people don't that can help the patients without major interventions in their life and help them get back to their functionality better. So I feel like it's an obligation and a passion of mine to get out there and let people know you know, what tools there are. And so um, always always marketing. I always tell people that, that you, if you're a doctor and you're not marketing, then you're not doing your job right. Because and even whatever you do, I mean, you, as a as a marketing expert, you know, well, that everywhere you go, you're your best marketer and you can surround yourself with great people. But people really want to hear what you think and they really want to hear you know, what you can do for them that other people haven't been able to do. And so that's staying up on the latest information, doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of teaching and trying to get the word out. And, you know, I just got back from Australia, you know that. And so we launched a new product in Australia they'd never done before. And it's already catching fire. And the doctors there that we taught in the course are already learning to do this and and, and making people better. And it's really exciting. 
I love that. You know, and I think that's an it's such an important thing to get through because I've worked with professionals for so long and they punt their marketing and great, amazing professionals like yourself. You know, people that spend a lot of time making sure they're the best at what they do. And then they just expect patients, they expect clients just to flock to them. And if you don't get that in front of them, you're not helping anyone and that you have to take control of your marketing. And marketing is not about the dollars, it's about value and helping as many people as possible. That's what real good marketing is, which I, I love that you have that mindset because I think it's absolutely crucial for people of your caliber. Because here's the opposite part of it, is there's a lot of people that aren't, like you were talking about before, you know, that get people into a room, but aren't the best people for, you know, isn't the best care for those people. And right. if you're not marketing to those people, they don't know the difference. Right. And I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's like if you're given if you're given a skill set, I, I, mean, I was lucky enough to get into school. I was lucky enough to fall into my fellowship and residencies. And I was lucky enough for these different products to kind of fall in my hands. I feel like I have an obligation to get that out and try to at least help as many people as I can. And again, I, I want you to understand, humbly speaking, um, a lot of this stuff, you know, I believe was delivered to me more than I ever went out and sought it. I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, all knowing or anything like that. I basically, I just feel like I've been blessed by certain um, opportunities and I feel like I need to not let them go by the wayside, but actually embrace them. Awesome. All right. So I got one last question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, so we, we talked a little bit about Instagram a few weeks ago. What's, yes, what's your most successful Instagram post or video to date? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I, I've had pretty good success uh, with the posting of Lulu, our new puppy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, all we're doing with our patients is getting them back to, you know, feeling better and all that kind of stuff. And that gets some likes and whatnot. But you post a little black lab attacking you and biting your nose, and that seems to go the furthest. So I would have to give Lulu the top honors on that. And so uh, our puppy has, has, you know, reinvigorated our life with a lot of change. And um, we weren't really looking for a puppy, but she was kind of dropped off at our house. And, and we've been enjoying that. Oh. So I thought the world would, would enjoy getting to know Lulu as well. All right. So if anyone wants to see Lulu, what's your – we'll put this in the, the show notes. But what's your Instagram handle? At Dr. Chad Stevens with Stevens is S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So definitely go check out Lulu. Definitely go like and follow Dr. Stevens. I mean, he's doing a lot of incredible things and he's traveling around. Um, and if someone, you know, and you're available for speaking too, if, if someone wants to get, have you come in, tell me a little bit about the topics that you, you speak on. Okay. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's a whole kind of gamut of what people would think of a pain doctor would really be passionate about and, and good about talking when it comes to specific um, skill sets. But Probably the things that I, I speak the most about are uh, treatments for migraine and concussion because uh, of some innovative treatments we do there in that regard. Um, some of the pro uh, problems that occur in the back that, um, like I talked about earlier, the spinal stenosis that people get where they have this crippling problem that doesn't allow them to walk more than 15 or 20 feet before they have to sit down and rest. So I talk a lot about that. And then I talk uh, quite a bit about the non-invasive, minimally invasive treatment of extremity pain. And so um, the, the combination of a sports medicine and pain doctor is usually two people. But since it's one, um, I do a lot of, of talking with um, extremity work as well. So um, treatments for knee and hip arthritis, treatments for shoulder you know, pain and, and condition. So pretty much any extremity uh, issue as well as the medical issues with concussion and migraine would probably be where I would say I get most of my invites for. 
Awesome. Awesome. So if you're looking for a speaker on any of those, he's an amazing speaker. A lot of fun, engaging. While technical, you tell great stories, pictures of his family. Uh, It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Additionally, I'm going to give a little public service announcement. I can't say exactly who, but I have a family member who had spinal stenosis and ended up paralyzed because of misdiagnosis. So if if you have it, get it treated. it is not something to mess around with. Um, so, Doctor Stevens, yes, sir. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? What's that? I think we forgot. I think we covered everything. No, we didn't. <laughs> Rad Chad Stevens. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, there's a story behind everything, but um, if you, if you look at me right now, uh, you would probably not suspect that I was a BMX racer growing up, and so I played every sport the school offered. You know, from from Pee Wee up and. Uh, ultimately played soccer in college, but when it was um, BMX was kind of one of my passions. So I, I grew up riding bikes and competing, and then I started getting to where I was racing at, at you know local and national uh, meets and things like that. And so um, there's a lot of chads out there, and so uh, and everybody has a nickname, right? And so racers, just like motorcycle riders, have they wear leather pants, and those leather pants usually are to indicate to the person behind them who's in front of them, right? So on your butt, you write your nickname, right? And so just Chad didn't look, you know, very BMX-like. And so um, we came with, with the idea to write Rad Chad on my, uh, on my, my rear, on my <laughs> leather pants. And it was always a reminder of the people that were behind me who was beating them. And so that kind of just caught, you know, a little bit of traction through the years. And then uh, now now my kids make fun of me all the time. I mean, isn't that what kids are supposed to do? Yep. But, it, you know, they'll always be like, what do you think, Rad Chad? You know, and, and so... Uh, <laughs> They don't understand the word rad was a, a, a word that had all kinds of meaning back then that was very deep and, and expressive. And uh, now they just throw it around like it's nothing. But uh, no, it, it was that was part of my youth. And uh, I think just like every sport I played, BMX taught me to compete and taught me to train, taught me to be the best I could be and accept defeat when I lost. But um, when I got a chance to stand, you know, on the top with the biggest trophy, uh, handle that with humility and handle that with um, class and thank the people that got me there because every BMX racer had somebody put their bike together, had somebody, you know, sew their leathers together, had a bike company that believed in them or a shoe company that believed in them enough to sponsor them. And that's how you get to the podium. That's phenomenal. What a great way to end this. Dr. Chad Stevens, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. You're welcome, Ian. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Garlic Marketing Show. This has been Ian Garlic and Dr. Chad Stevens. And thank you for taking us on your journey. Video. You know it will make you an authority. You know it will get you more leads. Better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you 
that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.